This episode is sponsored by Frame.io, the modern video workflow redefined. Frame.io is a cloud-based collaboration hub that allows you to get feedback and approvals on your video quick and easy. I used Frame.io on a film I was editing and I can't express how easy and cool it was for a producer and director to see what I was working on and be able to review it in real time. Frame.io is not only web-based, it also works with Final Cut, Premiere, After Effects, and DaVinci. As a plugin that allows you to drop your video and timeline in a special bin that connects directly to Frame.io, where your collaborators can see their product. Have a project that you want your client to be able to see without having to export it six times? Click our link in the show notes section to get a chance to try Frame.io for 30 days free. Welcome to the Let's Talk Filmmaking Podcast, where we talk about everything filmmaking and creative. Our guest today is Jameson Parker of Bright Light Pictures. Our topic today is the future of indie filmmaking. This is one episode you don't want to miss. Let's get right down to it. What's up, everybody? I'm back, and I have a very special guest, Jameson Parker. Now, I know no. I can't mess that name up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you say, cannot. No, no, no. If I, if I do, then I probably should not be doing this. Um, <laughs> we have, a, like I said, very special guy. This guy's a triple threat, produces, acts, directs, and man have the the films you you've worked on um i looked at your imdb and um even a television production company that you're working with uh bright light bright light pictures bright light pictures yeah 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 yeah. so i run development for bright light which is uh, based out of vancouver yeah yeah and you're one of the uh what like four directors i saw this like four or five directors yeah, there's a couple of us. Yeah, there's a couple of us here. Um, the company has a very unique way of working. Uh, Vancouver has a lot of um, a lot of production that comes through just to shoot here. Uh, so the the company's base, the kind of bread and butter, is is that is helping these bigger studios shoot their TV and movies here in Vancouver, and uh, producing them on the ground, physically producing them, and then. Um, what I do at the company is is uh, unique in our situation. Uh, it, it's very much like the a development role like you would find in LA, but I source material and develop relationships with creatives and um, try and bring our own material to the table and develop our own stuff while we're producing some of these shows like The Good Doctor or a couple of these Netflix things that we're doing now, yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, you... Y'all work on a lot of great television shows that I've I'm familiar with. The Good Doctor, uh, some yep. of eighty four. Now I did I I don't watch The Descendants. I hear great things <laughs> about it, but <laughs> I I hear great things about it, but I, I have not watched that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah man, really. Yeah, we've been really fortunate in the last couple of years to work on some cool stuff. And The Good Doctor has been phenomenal. Um, we're currently shooting season three um, of that, as well as a couple of things for Netflix. And we're working with um, with Quibi now as well on a series with the same studio uh, that did Summer of 84, which was Summer was a film that 
we actually developed in house and, um, and it was a, it was a bright light movie. Um, we did with gunpowder and sky, which is Van Toffler's company. And Van started, uh, MTV films. He was at Viacom for a long, long time mm-hmm. and then left to start this, this little digital studio. They called it at the beginning called gunpowder and sky. And so we had really great partners in them. And now we're doing this, this Quibi series with them, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, is that, um, Julie and the phantoms? No, Julian the Phantoms is uh, a series for Netflix, and it's the same uh, director uh, who's also executive producing that did all the Descendants movies. A guy named Kenny Ortega, and Kenny did Hocus Pocus and Newsies and um, all the high school musicals. So was at Disney for a long, long time and has just uh, in the last year signed an overall deal with Netflix. And so this is his first thing out of the gate. Man, this is the perfect. I was just thinking about Hocus Pocus too. I was <laughs> yeah. thinking about all of the old uh, Disney movies that you used to watch during Halloween time. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting you 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 bring that up. Well, um, yeah, shooting right now with him, so he's on set while I'm talking to you, um, shooting a scene from Julie and the Phantoms. Well, yeah, yeah. I know you're. I know you're on set, so probably pretty yeah. much get right to it. I really want to talk about you know the future of indie filmmaking. Uh, in mm-hmm. the industry and you know the trends uh, to really really dig in and to get people to understand and you know to hold wait can you like tell me how you got into the film industry um, well I got in I started really young my parents put me into acting as a hobby um, I started as an actor very young and but it was a small it was small town stuff very you know plays at school and um, little commercials here and there, whatever work I could pick up as a kid. And and my parents didn't push it at all. It was, it was an extracurricular like soccer was or, or anything else. And when I got to university and and wanted to pursue it a little more uh, professionally, I went and did my, my BFA, my bachelor of fine arts in acting in in theater at uh, the university of British Columbia, UBC here in Vancouver and so was exposed to the community through that, um, worked as an actor in theater and, and d- dabbled in film, but mostly in theater for a few years and then decided that I wanted to try and make my own stuff and start producing some of my own stuff. So um, did a little series for Vine, developed a, a comedy pilot that we sold to uh, Bell, which is a, um, a big telecom uh, giant here in Canada that um, – that also runs a smattering of networks, the comedy network here in Canada. So we sold that. And and then we made actually this poster behind me, this movie prodigals was based on a play I was in. And so we made that a few years ago, uh, just as I had linked up with, with Sean Williamson at bright light, who I now work with and for, and am doing this Julie and the phantoms thing with and made summer of 84 with. And so that's my Cole's notes version of getting me to today. Cool. Yeah, and uh, I also saw you did something for uh, College Humor. Yeah, we did um, what? the oh, same oh, guys. Well, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's College Humor, but the same guys who we did this comedy pilot with. They were just buddies of mine um, who were really great sketch comedians called Peter and Chris. And I was always interested in finding something with them. And um, yeah, we. I think it was at Just for Laughs. You know 
however many years ago, we ran into the people from College Humor, pitched them a bunch of sketches, and then um, shot the ones that they bought. And so did that. That was a while ago. Yeah. So I directed and, and produced that with them. And um, and that was while we were in development with the Comedy Network on their pilot. Man, I can. You're you're really like, oh, yeah, there was that one that one project. <laughs> you really. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that is that was really cool yeah like i said i i looked at a lot of your stuff you you've done a very like good amount you went to school too and mm -hmm. uh that's that's kind of like a a subject whenever i talk to people it's like if you go to film school make sure because that's always a question like should i go to film school i'm like i'm right. like okay it depends if you go make sure you're networking while you're there make sure you're creating right there while you're there not just you know digging into the books and you know going to the classes and then you know you get out you're like okay now to find work where like mm -hmm. technically you're supposed to make and create work while you're there um because you let's say you said film of columbia that's yeah. a college uh, I, did, I, did, I did film at, at, at university of british columbia all right and I, I actually was in theater so i never went to film school per se i you know i studied storytelling through theater and acting um so that was kind of my entry point into it but that question does come up a lot people trying to figure out how do i break in should i go to film school i think you're right when you say it depends it's you know it's it's such a personal experience and uh, I think when you say that you need to be creating, I, it, it's totally true. As long as you're using it as an opportunity to get your hands dirty and make mistakes and figure out what you like and how you like to work, then I think you're using it correctly. But if you're just going to go to study, um, you learn so much by just doing. And I think a lot of the stuff that I've learned over the, you know, as, and I continue to learn is uh, very much trial by fire and just you kind of have to fail to 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 know what you don't know um and i and uh, yeah so i mean it, it totally it, that when that question does come up it wholly depends on on the person and where they're going my advice right. is, is to go to the city you want to be working in and and school there because that's where you're you're getting these well not free but um you're getting these years to just focus on it you know and you're you're maybe accruing some student debt but you're you are really dedicated to your craft and so be where like you say you need to be networking be where you want to be if you want to shoot movies in new york and, and start to be based out of new york go to new york and do film school there if you want to be in la do that if you want to stay in vancouver do that or london um yeah, I would just that's that's the one piece of advice that I always try to give is, you know, wherever you train, train where you want to work. That's good. Like I I'm I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that's going to touch yeah. a little bit back on this, but um to really hit the topic, like right now we have uh Netflix, Amazon, mm -hmm. um one of my uh guests, um Egan, he created a um a short documentary he he got it on amazon great film um so you know hulu so many so many even uh third party streaming apps people just making just to get their own stuff out there there's so many streaming apps now and so many film festivals that's popping up like every year uh mm -hmm. 
like like I said before, this is the perfect time to be a indie filmmaker. Oh my God! Not to mention the equipment and the gear that is like becoming so accessible that uh, the com- these companies are making uh, the cameras, yeah. uh, like the Black Magic Pocket Cinema, the things that they are putting in in these, some of these cameras and lightings, light and lighting uh, that they are you know bringing it in a reach where it's you know you can afford it. This is the yeah. perfect time to be an indie filmmaker. Yeah. yeah, it really, really is. Like you have, you uh, you have the tools at your disposal. You know, you even look at a film like Tangerine, which was shot on an iPhone, and right. um, and still went on to do so so well. I think it premiered at South by. It may have been at Sundance. Uh, I'm just gapping on where it actually started its life, but. Um, but the point is, is that you have these these tools at your disposal now that you didn't have 20 years ago. You have every right to go out and and every opportunity to go out and make a better film than the next person um, because of those tools. And it is um, the, the flip side of that is that everybody can be a filmmaker. So the, there's a lot more white noise out there. Um, there's a lot more content being produced. So it is, it's a, it's an opportunity and it presents an opportunity and a, and a challenge at the same time. Um, but as long as I, I think, as long as you're focusing on the core facets of, of film and not getting so caught up in the, in the technical, but really focusing in on what makes a great story, right? what makes it, what makes a compelling character? What, why do people watch? What do people want to see what do you want to say with this piece as long as you're focusing on what is at the heart of cinema and has been then I think you're always going to kind of rise above that noise you will always make a splash especially if you believe in it wholeheartedly I totally agree with that um that's why I tell a lot of people now that um that are looking to create a film or even asking me uh do I want to help them with a film? Uh, most of the time I say no, because <laughs> I'm trying to get my uh, production business and my, uh, my personal brand running. But like in the, the past two films I've worked on, uh, there's been issue with lack of just um, lack of lack of hands and knowledge from yeah. the uh, other people working like, you know, the other DP or the sound engineer, but really both of those times storytelling the story was off and even you can tell that in production is like mm, this doesn't make sense who's going to edit this oh it's going to be me i don't i don't okay maybe this was a bad deal uh, <laughs> so that's that's i totally agree with you on that and that's why even with everything becoming so accessible you still have to have that skill and knowledge and still put in work for, uh, you know, for you to rise. I, I definitely agree. Like one of the things you need to be doing is create films and putting it out in front of as many people. So you can like perfect your storytelling and, and, um, you know, just the craft of it. Yeah, that's definitely the way to get better at it. And I, um, I always quote Mark Duplass, had a great keynote at uh, South by Southwest in 2016 where he talked about um, how him and Jay Duplass, his brother, got started making films. And 
um, he talked about the cavalry isn't coming and that you have to do it yourself. Like there is no, there is no magic button that's going to suddenly launch you to the next level. It's that you just have to continue to chip away and continue to refine and continue to practice your craft, your art, your, um, your filmmaking ability. Um, and it is really about, you know, you have to slog through and make a couple of shitty films and then make another shitty film and then another one. And then it gets slightly better and then it gets slightly better than that. And, um, and it will just, if you are really dedicated and, 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 a, and a student of you know, film in general, but also your work and what you like and what you can improve on. And if you're open to that, it will get better. Um, but it, it does take a lot of hard work and it does take some real pain because not only are you, you know, quote unquote, bleeding on the canvas with each movie and most likely getting torn apart for it. You then have to pick up the pieces and go, OK, where did I go wrong? Let's do this again. I got to get back on the horse and then do that over and over again. So it is really difficult um, to do that. But it is a fairly simple formula. Um, it's easier said than done for sure. Right. And like I said, you, you, you act, you produce and you direct, you direct, you got a lot of direct credits and even none credit. Uh, I can tell that you're a person that really, really dives in into what you're, what you're doing. Um, especially, Mm. you know, coming from an acting background, you actually dove into film. Uh, film wasn't technically, you know, you're one, you know, first love, at, you know, first love. So uh, what with your first compare how you handle creating a uh, uh, indie film to how you did in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing I've learned is to. uh to ask for help and to rely on the people around you. When I started, there was this kind of youthful mentality that I needed to know everything and that um, if I didn't, I would be seen as less or um, let's say somebody would discover that I didn't know what what I was doing. And as I got, as I continued to kind of move through these projects, and, and move on from one of the next, starting with these music videos that we did in college through to some of the college humor stuff, through to my first feature and um, and some of these like little uh, inter- internet series and stuff that we did, I started to learn that, um, that exactly that, to, to learn how to say I don't know, to learn how to rely on the expertise of people who have been doing their specific um, job for years and try and soak up as much knowledge, but also rely on, you know, rely on those people, whether that's, um, casting the right actor or hiring the right production designer. Um, it is really about who you surround yourself with and being willing to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Um, I think that's the biggest kind of overall approach that I've had and being more comfortable with saying, I don't know. And, uh, I'm, there are tons of little things as well changed. Do you, uh, do you listen to other podcasts? Yeah. Um, you, I listen you, to, uh, do you listen, do you listen to, to John indie, indie film hustle? I don't know. Okay. I, I need to find it. There is a, uh, a, a really famous director. And uh, he talks about what you kind of just uh, said. 
as a director, people expect you to have the answers for everything. And yeah. a lot of, he said, a lot of the great directors know to say, I don't know sometimes. Uh, when it comes to, okay, yeah. how should this scene go? You know, I don't know. You know, we haven't, you know, we just got here. We haven't set something up. Probably something happened. You know, you got to talk with the writer. Or maybe the uh, DP might have a suggestion, you know. Uh, that That is a thing that I think everybody kind of goes through. That, especially for me, when it comes to relying somebody to like, oh, man, I hope he's getting that audio right, you know. I'll, oh, I yeah. hope he's, I hope that shot is, you know, what I envisioned, you know, I hope, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, I hope the actor really understands, you know, this, this character, but you know, you have to really separate yourself and hope that you chose the right person for that project and know everything will be all right. Yeah. And, and I think it is, it's, you know, it's not about being unprepared or underprepared. I, I think that it's just being open to, what people around you have to say, you know, being a leader, being a director, being a producer, well, in any facet, but let's, we're talking about filmmaking, so let's talk about it here. It's, it's about being able to identify the best idea in the room, and you're not always going to have the best idea in the room. So if you're open to it, you can, um, and you have great collaborators, you will find those better ideas. I, I don't think anything's been illustrated better to me in my life than um, I was working on a play called Red by um, uh, John John Logan. I want to say John August because we were just talking about it. By John Logan, who's <laughs> um, a phenomenal screenwriter. He's written some really, really great um, theater as well. And this is my – it's Red is actually my favorite play. And it's one of the best creative experiences I've ever had in my life at a, at a theater called the Belfry Theater in Victoria. And it was the Canadian production of Red. Um, there was a scene that we were playing. And I, and I, was, I was a young actor. It was a two-hander. It was me and this really seasoned actor from Stratford, the Stratford Theater Festival, and this really, really seasoned and well-respected director. And I felt so lucky to be in that room working with them and you know halfway through the rehearsal process we were working through this scene and I said you know I just I think that this the core of the scene for for me is this can we try it this way and the director uh, a gentleman by the name of Michael Shimada said you know I don't I don't agree but yes try it let's let's try it let's have a, a crack at it like that and and so we did we we ran through the scene again with this new note and this this flavor that i wanted to bring to it and um and he stopped at the end and he went you know what i was wrong you were right that is um exactly what this is about it really makes it pop and right. that stuck with it stuck with me for a couple reasons here was somebody that um i respected and admired who had <laughs> given validation to my creative instincts but also mm. he was big enough to go yeah you know what i was wrong this is actually a better way of doing it and so when it happened again and I said hey I want to try this in a different scene when he told me you know what I think that this other way actually plays better I trusted and believed him because he was willing to be big enough to admit when he was wrong so that I knew when he said something uh, 
when he gave me a piece of advice or a piece of direction, I always trusted it because um, I knew he wasn't just trying to bullshit me. So that stuck with me for a long time. Um, it it kind of seeps its way into my everyday that it, that particular experience, and I talk about it a lot. Um, so yeah, it's a really that expression of finding the best idea in the room and being open to it. You know, not letting ego get in the way. Um, which is which is tough. Nobody has no ego, but it's about lowering that and letting your collaborators help you create the best thing possible. Yeah, um, my co-host B. Davis, she always you know talk about you know staying in your own lane and um, actually just finding the you know creator and artist in you, but mm-hmm. also knowing when you have something special, the person next to you also has something special nobody yeah. in the room there's there's not only one special person in the room so i i, I truly hit uh love that i'm gonna send you the episode uh um, i would uh, yeah please what you just said he talks about that it's an hour but it's an hour hour of goodness so um, oh that's def- i can listen to it to and from set <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would love that man please send it to me that would be awesome yeah, yeah. So like, okay. So I got my, I got my, my script. You know, I got my crew, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's a couple of ways we, and we want to make a, uh, let's just say a short film. There's a couple of things we can do, and I want to see, I want to get your opinion on it. I can either mm-hmm. uh, craft a short film and mm-hmm. uh, around some film festivals and throw it at a whole lot of film festivals, or I can craft it the way you know i want and 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 see if amazon or somebody will you know take it right i think i think first and foremost you have to make film you have to make art for yourself um because that's what makes it unique you have to you have to find what let's say you know let's talk about this one hypothetical idea what is special to you about that script why do you want to tell that story with those people in the way that you're telling it uh what what parts of cinema help and and your approach help to support that idea um and make it for yourself make it something that you want to see in the world because then it becomes less about chasing and it is a scary thing to do for sure to make something that that is wholly you um but people so so respond to that they so so respond to it um the film festival and then talking about film festival versus you know streaming platform like uh the festival circuit is such a rewarding one especially for new filmmakers because you go to let's say you're at la shorts or let's say let's say you go to Sundance let's say that you know you kind of hit the big time you go to Sundance you have this short film there you connect with other creators and other um uh, people who are interested in financing film or producing film and start to build your network from there (laughs) Uh, ever elusive money people um and and that's where you know, you need to be on the ground face to face with people. Like it is, I can't, I cannot stress enough the, um, the importance of being at some of these festivals and, and being face to face with some of these people because this whole industry is built around trust. You know, we talk, we just talked about 
trusting the people you work with. And that's why people, you see great filmmakers using the same actors again, using the same designers and DPs and composers over and over again, because they know them, they trust them, they know what they'll get out of them. And it's the same thing with financiers. They bank on um, reliable voices and people need to, you just need to be face to face to start to develop trust with people. And it takes time. So that's why you just got to continue making work and continue putting it out to these festivals and try and travel to them as much as you can, you know, with grant local grants or local travel grants or um, incentives to get you there. That's it's so valuable to be on the ground and share the love of cinema and your your cinema with people. Right. And. Honestly, my answer was to do both, but I love your answer a lot better. <laughs> well, you, you can. I mean, you're, you're totally right. You absolutely can do both um, because you could go to a festival and then and then have it play on. Well, yeah, no, where... but speaking to a beginner's mindset, your answer is a lot better because they don't understand okay, this is the time for when you go to, if you go to a film festival, it needs to resonate with your craft. Don't just say, there's a film festival. I'm going to create something for that. You do that and it's crap because you're, for one, having to try to stick with their guidelines. You're trying to think what they would like, where in the beginning, the best way to create something, you know, a, a great film is to create something that you're familiar with that resonates with you. So yeah. like I said, I, I really loved your, your answer. Uh, did not expect that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, and it goes, it goes above and beyond some of the beginner stuff too. Like when people start to chase trends in the market, uh, you know, you let's take what's in cinemas. Um, when people start to chase trends and chase audiences, that's when shit gets stale, right? That's when right. you hire another film, uh, lover goes, um, I've seen this before. I need something authentic and original. And, um, and that's, that's boring. As soon as you start chasing trends, you're already behind them. Um, but if you're making something for yourself, uh, that you love, um, people get on board with that too. I, I, I truly get that. Um, that's really how the music industry is. They try to, they, catch the trends way before it start trending yeah um, and they create they tell people what they like and they show them how things are evolving and then they're not um they're not just after if people can smell somebody who's after uh an audience or the dollar a mile away um yeah a mile away yeah so okay so going back to you you're you create, I just want to confirm this, you create films as an independent on your own, but you also work for Bright Light Pictures. Yeah, kind of. I'm, um, it's a unique situation where I'm given, I have a boss who like, really trusts me and, I, um, and I'm really grateful to be in the position that I am. I get to create these films, and then everything that I do is done under the the Bright Light Pictures banner. Um, so you know, um, 
Prodigals was a little bit before Prodigals, the movie, my first movie. It was a little bit before I was with Bright Light. Um, Sean did have some um, great words of wisdom while we were making it because I was just starting here. Summer of 84 was something that I, I really pushed as an independent. Um, but I was at Bright Light, and Sean had a hand in, in getting it made, a big hand in getting it made. So um, everything I do is under Bright Light, and then I do run the development department for them. Yeah, so before Bright Light, where, what were you doing, um, you know? To kind yeah, I was of wholly. Like... Hmm. I was wholly independent before Bright Light. Yes. Okay, so did you have like a job or like were you a full time, uh, you know, just creator? Yeah, um, I worked in yeah, I worked in bars and restaurants and. Um, worked in bars and restaurants. And then I had the occasional theater gig, um, here and there to, um, to help pay for what I wanted to do. There was a moment in time where I stopped Joe jobbing as, as I would call it. And, uh, just focused on producing and really tried to make a go of it. And that was super, super tough, but I ended up landing on my feet, which is, which I'm really fortunate um, for and um, but yeah I did have to support myself in other ways to financially to be able to put some of these things together right because that's that's something that's actually what pretty much my whole like what this year has been for me um, mm-hmm. and I'm actually hope hopefully about to connect with this company here uh it's not a television co- company. I, li- I live in Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. Our television yeah. is in, you know, movie stuff is in New Orleans, you know, down way down south. Um, but it's I'm hopefully going to start really creating for them, but also still be able to have, you know, my ho- own thing. But if I were to create like a commercial or everything or anything, it'll be under their name. Um, right. And I think that's really important to understand because some people uh, think it's easy, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna create films. I'm finally gonna do what I want to do. It's gonna be awesome, and they have to realize ah, there's a lot of work into this. Like creating a film, and you know, even with uh, the streaming, you have to learn, you know, finances. You have to learn, you know, legal. You have to deal with legal stuff. Uh, and just being able to live that's a that's a that's a, a, a lesson that you have to learn unless you're lucky and you know just you know you're you you have yeah. to have the support yeah there are people who do that who get lucky or like you say who have the support and have the ability to just focus on it um, but yeah it takes it takes a lot and there is always a balance um, there is always a balance for sure. But, um, for me it worked that I, you know, I worked at bars at night and tried to write and create and produce and develop during the day. Yeah. I I can pretty much, uh, I can pretty much look at you. This is another reason why I like video tech. I I can ask, I can pretty much look at you and tell you we're both exhausted. (laughs) <laughs> we, we keep touching we keep touching our faces trying to like just make get our brains to keep rolling that hamster on the wheel that just like can i take a rest <laughs> yeah 
no, not now. Yeah, production um, production is exhausting, super rewarding, super super rewarding, but uh, but very exhausting for sure. <laughs> so, like, uh, how many how many uh, what film festivals are you familiar with that you've uh, entered in? Oh, um, well, I've had a movie premiere at Sundance. Summer of '84 premiered at Sundance two years ago. Two years ago. Um, uh, I love going to South by Southwest. Um, was at Cannes this year. Um, TIFF is a great, great festival, obviously. Um, the Whistler Film Festival local here in Vancouver is one that I love going to every year. Um, I've had a couple of movies there before, and it's nice because Whistler is a beautiful part of the world. It's not far from where I live, and um, and it's a very, very like mini Sundancey kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and South by Southwest, I love South by Southwest. I really, really love. I love being in Austin. Um, I love what they program. Um, I saw the peanut butter Falcon there and was blown away by it this year. Um, and now it's come out. Um, Sundance obviously has a special place in my heart because I had a very formative experience there with summer of 84. So that's kind of on its own, um, on its own level. It's, you know, I, I had an experience that I'm very, very fortunate to have had and very few people do have. And, um, and so it is. It's a it's a festival that's very special and near and dear to my heart for sure. But Austin is just so beautiful. I oh, really yeah. want. I I really want to move there, but um, I just don't want to. Pretty much, I don't want to live like paycheck to paycheck because the the uh, cost of living there is high, very high. But like yeah. the festivals and the whole atmosphere and the you know everything about uh, Austin love it i love it yeah austin is such a great filmmaking town too and and that festival is really something special yeah so got i got just a couple uh last questions for you um yeah one of them uh really holds into you and the whole getting work so like you found mm-hmm. pretty much of you found a created most of the stuff you filmed uh yeah a lot of it up until this point julian the phantoms is something i came to very late in the game and it was created by um these two brilliant writers um dan cross and dave hogue and um and as kenny ortega leading the kind of creative charge on it so i came to the i came to the party late on that one most everything else um I've been involved with since kind of day one or as early as, as humanly possible. Um, yeah. So in the beginning of the uh, a show, you said you really try to collaborate with, you know, mm-hmm. you know, creatives. What's, what's one of the ways you do that? Um, I mean, look, there's a lot of people, there, there's a lot of people that I've been fortunate to work with. I'm try, I try and, you know, when I have, there's something that clicks when I have something that clicks with a creative, whether, um, in front or behind the camera, I want to try and repeat that experience, uh, that experience, um, and that experiment. And, um, 
you know, like the directors, for example, the directors of Summer of 84, immediately after we uh, finished shooting that movie and we were in the editing suite, we were already talking about, okay, what else can we do? Let's make another movie together. Let's find what else are you guys working on? Um, and we have a movie that looks like it'll go next year with them directing. Um, their DP, a guy named Jean-Philippe Bernier, um, JP, as we call him for short, yeah. he is yeah, uh, he's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal DP, somebody who I would hire time and time again and can't wait to work with him again and again. Um, we have a great designer on this show, a gentleman by the name of Mark Hoffling, who I love working with. And so it's it's really building that kind of Rolodex of who do you work well with? Um, who do you like working with? That's a big part of it for me too. You know, life is much too short to be working with um, assholes. people, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so that's part of it. It's like who is who creatively feeds that hamster wheel for you and who um, uh, who do you enjoy the, the process with because that's a big part of it. You know, if we wanted to just make money, I'd go off and be a lawyer or, you know, right. yeah. I'd do something else. But part of this is everybody gets into it because, for a love of film and because they want to enjoy what they do for a living. So you've got you've to gotta feed that as well. All right. Um you know, last thing we talked about uh, the things these the the listeners need to do to really stand out, which is you know number one, create. Um, yeah. But also, what else do they need to uh, do to really like? I guess get the knowledge and skills and uh, you know that they need to really progress in this field. Like I talk about networking a lot. I talk about, uh, you know, actually finding mentors. Like what are some tips that you can give them on like, you know, how to get the, how to get get the wheel turning? Well, I love, I love you talking about mentors. I think that's a big thing um, that has helped me in my life and, and really identifying who in, at least in my field, um, whose career path and whose um, uh, resume I really would love to have in 20, 30 years. And um, Sean has been a huge mentor to me. Um, a gentleman by the name of Todd Black um, has been a, uh, incredibly generous with his time with me. Um, who And he runs a company called Escape Artists. Um, and Nikki Weinstock, who runs Ben Stiller's company, Red Hour. You know, these guys who I've looked to for advice um, – have been a huge influences on me and, and, and helping me create. Um, you're right to say that I think just keep creating, keep creating, um, find your voice. I think also understand the history of cinema, like, um, right. Understand what you like, develop what you like and find what you like in, in, um, devour as much as you, as much cinema as you can watch the old Buster Keaton comedies, watch, all of Tarantino's films, watch the old dusters of the like 40s, 50s and 60s, figure out what you like, what you don't like, and then figure out why you don't like it and be passionate right. about, it, you know, and um, uh, 
because everything is an evolution. So you have to understand where these things came from to understand where you are now and where you should be in 10 years. Um, and, and I, and that's just about doing your research. And luckily <laughs> in this, in this field, uh, you're doing your research is watching movies and TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what you said earlier about, um, knowing why you don't like something it mm. really frustrates me when somebody say they don't like it why don't like a part of the movie i'm like why you don't like it i don't know i just don't like it that for <laughs> one does not help me two yeah that i just don't understand that i don't understand that at all i don't like it why i don't i don't know why i don't yeah. like it i don't like it why do you like certain things you know yeah. why why are your favorite movies your favorite movies? Go back and rewatch them and discover that. And the last thing I'll say on that too is read. Um, if you want to be, a, especially if you want to be a producer and if you want to be a writer, but if you want to be in this industry, read 500 scripts. Get your hands on scripts for old movies. You know, why did they shoot this scene this way? Why did, um, why did they cut, you know, from here to here? Why is this, uh, structurally different in the script and on and on the screen, um, because there is in in the craft of filmmaking, there are many stages uh, uh, that your film will go through. There is what it looks like on the page. There's what it looks like on set, and then there's what it looks like in the editing room and then in uh, on screen. And so it, it evolves. So you got to understand why do certain people make these decisions and it's hard when you don't have you know Christopher Nolan or any of these guys in front of you to ask those questions but you can do some detective work and um, you know you, you need to understand how to read uh, the blueprint uh, of the house to be able to build it and that is the script right that is the heartbeat and the blueprint right uh, you said before you had mentors that you was lucky, lucky to have uh, there are some that aren't as lucky and they will use that excuse to you know to the very end, uh, yeah. how did you connect with them? Did you message them? Uh, yeah, it started very um, organically. I kind of looked at the the network that I already had um, through fa uh, through family, which wasn't a lot. Look, and and it is it is an excuse. I, there is there are a lot of people who came up in this industry around me and before me, you know, who grew up in LA and grew up around all these people. And it is much easier for them, but I come from a very small Canadian town, you know, right. five, 5,000 people. Um, and it is possible. So it started, I mean, my first real mentor as a producer was Sean Williamson. And we connected because he had a son who went to my high school a few years after me and somebody offered to make an introduction because they knew that I um, wanted to be a filmmaker and I didn't know what it was going to yield. I had no idea, but right. I sat down and had coffee with them and was open and just asked, Hey, look, I want to be where you are in 30 years. How do I do that? Um, and then it kind of snowballed from there and I've, I've been really fortunate to meet some great people. Um, but I, I believe it's because of my, uh, it's because it, I was honest in, in what I wanted to do and honest in what I didn't know or at least tried to be um, and was very earnest in 
in my love of cinema that it it has helped and served me over the years. So um, yes, it can be very difficult to break in. Yes, it is. A, it can be an old boys club, but there is always a way. I I totally agree, and I'm I'm just not good with ex- excuses. But honestly, like I can say that as long as you try to connect with some of these people like that's all you need to do we are lucky and i'm hope i don't i'm not i don't know for sure because i'm haven't reached a certain point yet but i would think we're lucky to be in an industry where it's not that many corrupt people the likely chance somebody would turn you down on you know like just an open hand um i have not met i haven't even met anybody like that Usually if I message, message people or, you know, cause we're, we're pretty good at calling out bullshit, especially when somebody's trying to, you know, bring you down and, you know, just use you. Um, but I think we're lucky to be in an industry where it's not that many, you know, terrible people. There are a lot of really great people in the industry and it, it does get a bad rap, but, um, there are so many great and genuine people out there that, um, you just need to find them. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, man, that's that's. I don't want to take any more of your time. It's about to <laughs> reach that hour. Maybe you can get a nap. In, I don't know. But uh, like I said, I'm really glad I had you on the show. I really want to, to get you back on the show to you know just talk about acting or directing, just or just that, uh, not just yeah. you know uh, indie films, but. Uh, Man, I would love to have you back on the show. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Yeah, uh, you got a Twitter, you got Instagram, IMDb. What's some other places they can uh, contact, people can contact you if they want to reach out to you or, you know, just keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, um, my Instagram I try and keep private, (laughs) but Twitter is a big one. I always put out what I'm working on on Twitter. IMDb is... Um, is kind of what I'm most um, active on for this and uh, yeah the Twitter is the big one Twitter is right. the big one which is unfortunate I really don't care for Twitter but um, <laughs> people he, I, I will respect like wanting to keep your Instagram private like I will respect that but yeah if you have any questions you know Twitter IMDB I'll yeah. have those links for you uh and also links to uh bright light bright light yeah brightlightpictures.com brightlightpictures bright, yeah brightlightpictures.com actually has a t- everything that we're working on and that's a great place um to connect with with me and with the company for sure cool cool well man thank awesome. you for giving me your time and like i said let's talk to you in the future absolutely thank you so much for having me to talk about your brand and what you do Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Filmmaking. If you liked the episode, please leave us a comment below or leave us a review because it really does help us out. And if you are a filmmaker or creative and you would like to be part of the show, send us a message. We would love to have you on the show. Don't forget, you can get a 30-day free trial with Frame.io by using our link below. See you next time on Let's Talk Filmmaking.